You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Welcome to the Magnet Theater Podcast. I am your host, Louis Kornfeld. My guest today is a member of the Striking Viking Story Pirates. He performs with the Magnet House Team Metal Boy on Wednesday nights here at Megawatt. He's also one of the co-creators and hosts of TV Party Tonight, as well as an original member of the Rolling Scones Sketch Ensemble. Uh, sketch Troop Ensemble? I guess a troop? Three people would be a troop? It's, yeah, I would say it's a troop. It's a troop. It's a- Trio. I trio. Say the trio. trio. Yeah. Mr. Pat May, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, yeah. Uh, uh, Pat, thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, um, so I want to uh, uh, talk a little bit about, you were, so you had a, uh, you've been doing comedy since you were a teenager, right? That's true. I just started. Uh, okay. So I started, the first time I really did comedy was I did stand-up at the age of 16 at a summer camp in which Louis Perlman, Louis Perlman, was a counselor. Uh Um, Becky Drysdale was a counselor. Mm -hmm. And I thought that would be a big... (laughs) No, that's that's it. I thought it was going to be like, oh! No, Um, well, I knew that already, so that's why I didn't forget. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, I don't know how often that's done. Anyway, uh, Sam Rogal was a counselor. Griffin Newman was a counselor. And uh, a few other of my friends were counselors who I think slowly made their way to the magnet. Mm -hmm. And um, we... I did stand up for a few times and I was pretty gross. I was pretty like goofy. I did a lot of dumb stuff. Um, I talked about a, a septic field exploding. Uh-huh. That's like, cause we had a septic field that was right across from the girls cabins. And uh-huh. I talked about it being like a landmine essentially. It wasn't funny, you know, kids just like poop, you know? And so did I. And so Sam and Griffin were both like, you need to do improv. That That's like something we think you should do. And I didn't really understand what that was at the time. Mm-hmm. My understanding of comedy, even though I religiously watched Kids in the Hall, SNL, um, and a few other shows, all I knew was that stand-up was like the only thing you could do. Mm-hmm. And so it was really blew my mind that two people just get on stage and start improvising. Um, and so I started doing improv at, at, at around 16 or 17 over the summer. What was the name of the camp? It was Bucks Rock. Yeah. Were, were Griffin and Sam, they're your peers or they were counselors at the time? They were counselors in training. Okay. So they were like above me and they were kind of my mentors and I was so terrified of them because I would literally sit down on a couch and we'd all sit, like, sit around a circle yeah. and those two would just talk and I would just cry laughing. Like I don't really remember just like laughing that hard for that long all the time. And sometimes I wasn't even entirely sure what they were saying. Yeah. Like, I think, like, the bit would go on that I wasn't even entirely sure what was happening, but I'd still be laughing so much. And I, you know, like, at around that moment, I was just like, I want that to be forever. You know, yeah. like, I want to just, like, laugh that hard for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, and I also, I think at the time, didn't really know my identity so much. So it was kind of crazy to actually, like, do comedy in that way. Because at first it was just, like, video games. I think I attempted to be an athlete to some capacity in what sport uh well during high school they tried to make me do shock put oh wow and uh i was i had a little frame but i was broad shouldered and uh i can kind of put i was really bad on it bad at it and i also hated all the kids because everyone was racist and homophobic and Mm -hmm. stuff sounds Um, like high school yeah exactly like it's surprisingly yeah like everyone's too too scared to be accepting so everyone's a jackass yeah or if they are accepting they're really pretentious and like, like all the smart kids would be like really up their own ass about being smart. I really hated high school. That was yeah. like the worst years of my life. High school is like a miniature version of the communist witch hunts, you know, like <laughs> yeah. where you're just kind of like <laughs> shitty to everybody around you to deflect any attention from yourself. So nobody knows your own like dirty yeah. secrets. It's so true. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Where are you from originally? I'm from Hastings on Hudson. Okay. Which is a small, nice suburb in Westchester. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, Lived there my whole life. I would travel to the summer camp over the summer, obviously. And I would sleep, and then I would sleep there, stay there for the three months. And that's where I kind of learned how to do comedy, like improv, sketch. I did stand up, but I, I think I was like slowly moving out of it. Yeah. And then I did a little stand up in the city, and it just killed me, and I couldn't do it anymore. Well, how, what, what was your experience with that? It was really hard. Yeah. Um, I used to do a really cheap open mic that was only three bucks for five minutes, which is pretty good now. 
as far as I've, I think I've looked or talked to people in the past few months. Um, and everybody really didn't want to be happy. Mm-hmm. So like you would go up, you would do your five minutes. Typically it sucked. The only response you can really get out of some of those people is shock value. Yeah. So you would have to like really say something terrible, like usually involving the N word or like saying something about like rape or something like that. And that would like get a shock laugh. And then a lot of those people then use that shock laugh as their entirety Mm -hmm. because that's the only way to get a response out of some of these guys because they will just laugh or they'll just be like, oh, Jesus. You know, like that's like the only way to make any kind of noise out of the crowd. Yeah. Because everyone's there and they don't really want to be happy because they just sucked. So they don't want to give you validation that you're funny. I remember being so disappointed in my, um, for Megan Gray, mm-hmm. uh, for her prom, we, we went to the prom together and then afterwards oh, yeah? we, we went to, um, Carolyn's, I think it was like really? a late night. It was a late night show. Oh shit. That's and awesome. it was like all prom people, not nobody from our school, just like different people from their proms mm-hmm. uh, all went to this show. It was a uh-huh. weird, weird thing. Really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. And, uh, it was probably my first time in a stand up club. I grew up loving stand-up and mm-hmm. loving comedy and loving sketch comedy and SNL and, and uh, Kids in the Hall and Monty Python and, you know, all, yeah, that, all yeah. the usual stuff. Uh, so, and yeah. I remember being so disappointed uh, and upset because it was like, it, it was just like one of those like sewage yeah. experiences. Yeah, it really is. Where like the host, the MC was just like so shitty and horrible. And it really was, he was just like doing stuff to try to get as much effect as possible. So yeah. it was just like angrily, like really vile shit, like wasn't funny yeah. at all. Um, um, and it like, it really soured me on stand up comedy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost like when you go to any YouTube video yeah. and you scroll to the comments to where the troll is like spewing just hateful shit. Yeah. And then you go to an open mic and it's just all those guys in a circle jerking each other off, mm-hmm. like spending money to like say hateful things in front of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really like stand up is so much fun too. Cause I've seen people do it really well. I've done it really well. Like I've had shows that I've been like really proud of, but it's not worth going there and doing it. Cause I've also found that in improv or in sketch, you'll have the audience that just isn't on your side. Yeah. Cause I've done shows where I'm doing like solo sketch and uh, I perform in front of a crowd that just didn't like my sense of humor. didn't like this or that. And I find that stand up is that almost all the time <laughs> harder to win them over if like if I'm doing an improv night like with my team like Metal Boy or something and maybe I'm just on the wrong side or I'm like not saying something that the audience likes I can like take a step back and then the rest of the team can like make it happy again or make it funny and then I can like do support for the rest of the night like uh, yeah stand up is hard I would not recommend it for anybody yeah I mean it 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 definitely there's like obviously like brilliant examples of amazing stand up comedians. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, true. And I'm sure for like a lot of us in the comedy community and a lot of us in the improv world, our first like real, that like probably moment for us uh, was seeing like a really amazing stand up special on TV that yeah. kind of like oh, was so like, true. oh, that's what I want to be part of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to be laughing all the time or like, or be responsible for making other people laugh all the time. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of weird. Um, I, being responsible for making somebody laugh is maybe the best feeling in the world. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's why a lot of us are in this. Like, I know that's why, like, in my mind, I don't know if it's, like, always about making somebody laugh, but putting out something that people are willing to get off of their couch and, like, leave their house, go to the Magnet or go to whatever theater and watch it, and then, like, that's their sole reason yeah. for coming out. Yeah. Like, I think that's been, like, my goal this whole time is to, like, make some kind of show that people will come out to on their own record uh a record accord yeah sure jesus yeah hope that's right you got it of their uh, own accord yeah of their own accord yeah uh yeah so like kind of like what i've been making like uh, with metal boy like it makes me really happy when people just say like hey that was a really good show i really liked coming out to it like that's you know like that i like that that starts off my night or like that that ends my night like um or like the Anything that I do, like Rolling Scones, if people hear the word Rolling Scones and they come to a show, or they leave the, I leave the poster out and they see it, like, that's maybe my favorite thing, is that I can make a product that people genuinely enjoy. Yeah. I don't have to, like, beg them to come. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. these shows just have to fucking beg people to come. It's, it's so w- crazy. One thing that, like, I always get really upset when I see shows where there's, like, a small audience in the show and mm-hmm. the performers... 
uh, uh, comment on that or like are thrown by that, you know, or like make an issue. If you've ever been in that one, you know, where they Mm -hmm. kind of like take it out on the audience a little bit, that there aren't more people there. And it's like, yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, for me, it sort of boils down to when you come on out and there's a small crowd, you feel that anxiety and that self-consciousness and you feel like a little bit of, 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 um, you know, you feel like a loser a little bit, (laughs) but you gotta like just get past that and do your thing. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people succumb to like projecting those feelings and putting them out on the audience, which is so upsetting because you lose sight of that sometimes of like, well, these people who are here chose to leave the comfort of their own homes and chose to put down their iPads for 20 minutes to, yeah. to enjoy us. And it like, what a, what a, what a gift to give, you know, when you remember that sometimes like, Oh, these people consciously decided to be here to watch me perform tonight. And yeah. Like, Thanks. I really yeah. appreciate that. I, you know, it's funny cause I recently, and in my head, I never thought this would happen. I recently put up a show where zero people showed up. Uh, and it was one of it, like the show itself was fun. I got to do a fun show cause it was, it was a TV party tonight show and we got to perform, we got to do it. And it was more just like a party for us. But then at the end of the night, I like got drinks and I was just like, fuck, I'm such a failure. I still can't get like, I've been doing this for so long and I still can't get like five people to come to a show. Yeah. And it's only like down the block from the magnet. So I was like, why did no one come? I'm only like this far away. Like all my friends were right there and they couldn't just walk the block. And I was just like, Jesus, I'm such a fuck up. I don't know. It, it drove me really, really crazy. But I think the thing I took away from it was just like, you know, you just got to like get up tomorrow and like not let the failure, um, eat away at your brain for as long. Yeah. Cause I remember during like my level six shows were, some of the best shows I'd ever done, and also, like, one or two of the worst shows I ever did. And uh, I think the thing I took away from it was just, like, don't let something that you're bummed about eat away at you. Mm -hmm. Because then you, like, lose... You almost, like, get worse. You know, like, when you have a bad show, it, like, kind of, like, makes you feel like, fuck, damn it, son of a bitch. You know, like, you just, like, feel shittier and shittier. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, you you develop, like... I think of it as a sinkhole. You develop yeah. that sinkhole thing where like every every little failure or every missed moment just like deepens that sinkhole yeah. and, and you kind <laughs> yeah. of become this like very empty performer. You can feel it sometimes. There's certain people that you watch and they carry around like a bitterness to them. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and it like bleeds into into your experience. You can't really enjoy them anymore. Yeah. And, and it is like it's a really tough thing to grapple with because we're we're obviously in the DIY corner of comedy mm-hmm. in a city where we're competing with a shit ton of other really great comedians. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's really disappointing sometimes when you're in this community of people and then, and then you put on something of your own independently and, and you just like don't catch the community or your friends aren't coming out mm-hmm. to it. It's really easy to place the blame uh, for that on yourself yeah, yeah, or to be in a blame state of mind. And, and there, there are like so many different factors that go into that, you know, that like, you don't want to succumb to that feeling of like, I'm a loser or I'm a piece of shit or I'm not <laughs> yeah. good enough because yeah. it, it does it like it, it starts corrupting your ability to bring, bring happy, like make yeah. yourself happy and like make more laughs. Like, yeah. uh, like, you know, I think one of the big things I took away from the past year or so from being on metal boy is that like, you know, I'm still going to fuck up. Like I'm not past and I never will be past a point of, no mess ups yeah. or like, no, that show was bad or like, Oh, I screwed this up. So now this, like that's going to happen no matter what. So I need to just have the confidence for tomorrow. You know, like, like as soon as I really like, uh, you just have to like be confident. Like, I think I see a lot of people who will do an indie team or will do this, will do that. And they get really down on themselves when the show wasn't perfect or they'll get really down when like, they're not exactly gelling with the team or they'll get really down about this or that. And it's like, man, just have like, you know, you're funny. Like you made it this far. You've done this, you've done that. You know that the people you are surrounded by are at least pretty great, like pretty funny people. And if it doesn't mesh, it doesn't mesh. Just like, you know, have just let funniness happen. (laughs) You know, like I think some people try to force dynamic or force this or that. And it's like, I, it just doesn't work like that. You know, it's improv. Like, I don't, I can't explain the magic. Yeah. Why, yeah. Yeah. It, they're, 
sometimes, you know, you can get frustrated that you like aren't in control of the mystery of the whole thing that you're yeah. not, you're not single-handedly in control of the chemistry of a group or, mm-hmm. or, you know, um, which is, it makes sense because you want to be able to, to control it. You want to be able to repeat whatever is successful. You want to be able to ha- have a guarantee that you're going to be doing great work. Mm-hmm. But the other side of that is like part of what's so exciting about, about improv in particular is that there is that kind of mystery to it of like a big chunk of what makes it work is out of your hands and, and, and unpredictable. And that's part of the excitement that keeps you back when you're playing with a really great team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, part of it is just like that enjoyment of the way that people just like roll with everything. Like Metal Boy is a really great example. Mm. And, and something about the way that you play too. One thing that I really enjoy about watching you play is, is the idea of fucking up. Mm-hmm. Does, yeah. doesn't seem to be running in your mind when you're on stage. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, um, so I recently, last week, we did a show where I was trying to get up on a lifeguard chair, mm-hmm. and I had a megaphone, and I was like, no one can start the swimming race until I'm on my lifeguard deck. And that was essentially the whole scene was me trying to get up on the lifeguard deck. And uh, later I was talking to Nick Canellis, who brought up, some kind of weird contradiction, which was that I was both the lifeguard and the judge for the race, Mm -hmm. which would like never happen. Apparently like that's like not a thing that happens. You have two people, one's a lifeguard, the other person's like the person who decides the race. And I guess I was doing both because I both had a megaphone and I was the lifeguard, which doesn't, and I was like, fuck, I didn't even think of that. And then I was like, I don't remember the last time I've thought so logically about improv. Like, uh, uh, like, um, you know, you can, like, my big thing is dynamic. So, like, if we're talking this way, we can just keep talking this way for the entire scene. Or if, like, stuff you say makes me mad, like, I'll just keep that up. I've never really cared so much about um, labeling, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like... For, from inside the scene, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. um, sometimes, like, kind of going back to the fuck up thing, like, maybe it's a fuck up that I never said this person was my husband or that this person was my wife or that this person was my brother or sister. I just like, it's like not going to come out that organic if I just say brother, da 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 da. So I just kind of like keep to my script and keep to that dynamic and just like surfing the scene until it hopefully organically comes out that we're brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And this. Otherwise it's like, who cares? Like we're just going to fucking say brother and then, some of the improv nerds are going to be like, Durr, yay, you know, like, right. who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. You really didn't like the show because of that? Go fuck yourself, yeah. you know, like, I don't know, I'm getting on in improv nerds. I shouldn't hate on them. They're great people. Oh, sure. They, yeah, sure. They let me perform every week, you know. That's <laughs> true. I get to do stuff. That's true. Yeah. Well, what, I want to ask, like, what kind of, like, where does your mind go before you do a show? Like, what, how do you prepare for a show? Or, or like, what are you thinking about before you take the stage? Oh, um... Okay, so uh, I would say I sit down. I've been recently drinking a Tall Boy Budweiser before every show um, because I, find, I like to enjoy the show before mine because mm-hmm. as of recently, I've been going second when usually I go first. Um, you know, it's been very blank as of recent. Yeah. Uh, it's been just like, what are we looking at right now? What could happen next? What's another side of this character? Um, and the thing, I try to like give myself an exercise if I feel a little bit out of it, which is that I watch the show before mine, yeah. and I kind of put myself in each of the characters' position and try to see what I would say to the statement that they just brought up. Yeah. Um, that helps sometimes. Uh, That's interesting. When you're doing that, are you thinking about what would be a funny response or a surprising response? Or are you thinking about what you would be feeling if you were confronted with what that other person's saying? Like where, where this is, where do your words come from when you're doing that exercise for yourself? You know, it's all saying it as I do it. Like I try to respond to like, if I'm being insulted or if something's a joke, I, I try to like respond naturally. I would say, um, I'm very much not in my head. I'm not like a thinker. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the people on my team, like Sam or Suli or Chrissy, or Carly, like, they can kind of think themselves into, like, this great character and, like, analyze every single move. Like, Sam's a great detective. Like, if I say I'm a fireman halfway through the scene, he'll say, then why did you have such a hard time with the sink? It's Mm -hmm. like a hose with water. Why did you... You're a fire guy, but you had such a hard... Like, I don't think like that. So I kind of just say what's 
coming out of like the first thing as I say it in my head. Yeah. Um, and so I guess going back to when I'm watching a scene, sometimes it's like a joke. Sometimes I like see the easy joke and I, tr- I want to say I don't go for it, but I'm sure I do. We all do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Oh, my dick was in this toaster, you know, like those yeah. jokes or whatever. Um, and, uh, 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 I, tr- I think I try to like, when I'm doing a scene, try to find the first thing. So like, I guess going back to the lifeguard thing, I tried to get up on the window of the magnet theater stage to make that be my chair, Mm. but I couldn't get onto it. And I was just like, well, this is going to be my thing now is that I can't get up on the chair, even though I'm like trying really hard. Um, And I try to let that be my thing to a stupidly huge extent. Yeah. Um, And that's not like always the case, but it's sometimes like I just learned like, you know, your first thing's the easiest thing. You want your characters to be simple because you have too many stupid details and they get mixed up and contradict each other. Yeah. And then you start to have a shitty improv scene when you like, at least for me, like when I'm balancing too many balls in the air, like they quickly fall down on me, you know? Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not the uh, analytical thinker in the team. We have uh, Carly and Chrissy to like make the uh, callbacks and stuff really great. And we have Sam who will like not let anything go. Yeah. And we have uh, 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 Nolan, who will, like, do these fucking awesome support scenes or, like, quickly give a line that, like, makes everything make sense. Like, it's kind of like finding your role in the group. Yeah. And then when the time feels right, like, putting it on its head or trying something new. But overall, like, you don't want to, like, or you you find, like, what makes it work for you and you kind of attack that really hard. It's interesting, like, going back for a second, Mm -hmm. I'm interested with your relationship with Sam, who you've known for a long time. Right, yeah. Because, like, Sam is definitely... Sam won't let anything go. Mm -hmm. And and on the flip side of that, you oftentimes play in a way where uh, uh, you won't stop doing what you're doing. It's... He'll pick out what's something that's illogical about a scene, and he'll yeah. just keep on picking away at it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you'll find something like climbing up the to the top of the lifeguard thing yeah. being a struggle, and then you'll mm-hmm. just struggle with it as long as you possibly can. So you can't be stopped from doing what you're doing, and he won't let go when he sees something that's yeah. worth commenting on. And together, you guys have this really amazing dynamic. You, it, it's you're able to feed into each other in this almost like infinite loop of letting one thing just kind of keep on going back and forth and keep on expanding and keep on getting funnier and funnier. Yeah. There's definitely like, everyone's got like a slightly different dynamic on the team. Like there's a lot of like best friends and there's a lot of like, we both like to also antagonize each other because Sam is this kind of guy who is just so smart yet. I think we all like to pick on him for either being too smart or calling him dumb or, you know, uh, he, one of the, this is kind of going into like the breaking rules of improv thing. Cause I think that's my favorite thing ever. Yeah. We were once doing this scene where we were on a train. It was like this old, like timey, like experience of a, a railroad train back in like 1800s, 1900s or whatever, where there was a rock, the train was being robbed. It was like that kind of time where like the guys on horses would come up and rob the train. Mm-hmm. And it was like a vacation spot on this train and we're all being robbed. So we had to like, it was like a fake robbery. It was like a choke robbery that it was like part of the vacation um, experience Uh in the scene. And uh, we had to give our wallets to this guy who was like robbing the train. And then we did a few scenes and a few scenes later, we come back to that scene. It was me, Sam and Chrissy who were like having this vacation on this train. And then they were handing back our wallets when that got robbed earlier. And I looked into my wallet and I said, I had $500 in this wallet. And there was like a slight laugh from that. And then Sam... (laughs) said, but I, I bought you a chocolate milk on the walk over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm so sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Cough it out, man. I'm sorry. Uh, it was just so funny because it's like when you when he like broke that rule because he in his head was like, oh, Pat's a schmuck. Like, Pat's broke. Like, yeah. I'm not going to believe it. He has $500 in his wallet. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Sorry. Um, and it was just so funny because like he wouldn't he like thought in his head that was the truth. So we like kind of argued about it for a second. And I probably should have just lost that battle and tried to say I lied about the $500. But like, but it was just so much funnier to like, <laughs> just, it was just, he like kind of stuck to his guns on that moment yeah. and said, you, you made me buy you a chocolate milk on the walk over here. Which was just so, it, it's like, that's I think great team dynamic is when teams can break the rules 
and just make each other laugh and have fun. It also like makes that moment like something bigger than the sum of its parts because now it, 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 it you could be a liar. Or there's also something really interesting in this guy who carries around five hundred dollars in his wallet who makes his friend buy him a chocolate uh, chocolate milk, you know, because yeah, uh, yeah. uh, that that actually makes you more of a schmuck than if you don't have the money. That, right. that makes you a schmuck who's hoarding his money, and this, you know, yeah. So it it you stumble on this like great thing that wasn't your choice and wasn't his choice, but it's what happened when those two choices marry each other. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like disagreeing but also like agreeing at the same time totally because we both agreed to the reality that maybe i had 500 dollars in my wallet and maybe we're like arguing that in real time like i'm not gonna magically if he if i pull out like my if he asked me to like check my bank account or whatever and i pulled it up on my phone if he said there's zero dollars in your bank account i've been like shit you know like i would have agreed to that but um but yeah I, that's like kind of the thing that I think I love most about improv is like uh, we kind of like are willing to drop anything and our form, which is almost not a form because all we do is a group scene up front and then whatever the hell afterwards, we can kind of just chase whatever the fun thing is immediately and then like let other seeds grow. And it's just, it's my, you know, it might, it might be my favorite improv experience. Yeah. I think I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah. And I don't mean if I'm like insulting somebody, I'm sorry, but like, gee, like it's just so much fun. It's, it's you know? yeah, it's it's the mystery of chemistry. It's that magic thing of of people who because that thing of just like following the fun. That's like something that a lot of improvisers repeat before yeah. a show. It's like, oh, what, we're just gonna follow the fun tonight. Yeah, and it's almost always a recipe for disaster. <laughs> almost always. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, it's a safe bet that when a team decides we're gonna follow the fun tonight, that mm-hmm. they're they're gonna drop the ball that night, and people are just immediately gonna go into their heads. Yeah. What makes you guys really special is. Um, you have an amazing ability to all recognize together when there's something really fun and all yeah. just let that take center stage until it leads to the next thing. That's true, yeah. And when you need to move past it, you guys are totally comfortable moving past it. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening with a lot of groups is there's kind of an unspoken disagreement about what's fun about a scene. Right, and then shows right. just become arguing about stuff or mm-hmm. stalling doing anything and they just kind of sit really flat. Mm-hmm. That's like one thing I feel about like structures to shows is like structure is really useful to help to get you to these discoveries. Yeah. It's really useful to help to kind of keep you on track so that you arrive at a really great place to be. Mm-hmm. But if you're already at a really great place, you don't need to worry so much about obeying the structure or worry so much about like the right the right rules or like naming this guy as your brother or your uncle. It, mm-hmm. Those are all like techniques and moves that are supposed to, to bring you to this inspired place. Yeah. But if, if you guys together, if the very chemistry of a group inspires you and mm-hmm. leads to this thing where everybody's just like puppy dogs wanting to play with each other, mm-hmm. as often as not, those rules and those structures can be a distraction. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny, like every team... <clears throat> I am so sorry. That's okay. You need uh, some more water? Yeah. I'm almost done with That's this. okay. I'll vamp. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's weird, like, because I've worked with teams before. Like, I've coached or I've, like, been on different teams where, like, a lot of people want to do the mono scene because they don't have to make choices as quickly as yeah. they don't want, you know, like, and uh, or they want to be able to really sit in this character for a while before they know what they're doing. And then other teams just want to, like, f- almost, like, shove their dick into what they think is funny really quickly and a little, like, too quickly. And it's hard to, like, convince teams what they want. Because I remember right now the Spokane is kind of the, I would say, like, the indie king of forms. Because mm-hmm. you get to do a mono scene, which everyone wants to do, because they can make their choices slowly. They can... um kind of talk it or, you know, have a conversation and maybe the conversation's funny, maybe it's not. And then they can kind of break away and do whatever they want. Besides that, like I've done the Spokane hundreds of times. Um, it's, you know, it's like a good form, but it's also, it makes you so fucking lazy. Yeah. Because like, you, you don't really commit, you don't like make choices up front. Instead, you make choices later. And then once you find the funny thing, you can break away and do the funny thing however you want. Like, if this guy eats the spaghetti weird, we find out during the Spokane original scene, we cut away to this guy eating, like, hair. I'm really bad at examples. But he, like, makes shitty spaghetti references later. And it's like, 
I guess like from my money, like we're kind of tired. I, I like don't always have a fun time watching the Spokane because it kind of just clearly makes improvisers who have these like go tos or have these weaknesses just make them weaker. Mm-hmm. Like I think you need a herald, you know, like everything that's great, I think eventually becomes kind of a herald. Like yeah. I've seen mono scenes where like a really good mono scene that I think I once saw was uh, essentially it'll go to the herald form in that like you'll have three dynamics. The three dynamics will like come in and you'll see those three. And then hopefully someone will come in and just like make it different, which you can kind of think of it as a group game. And then at some point we get back to those three dynamics again within the mono scene. And then hopefully someone mixes it up again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you kind of like do whatever you want after that during the call outs and whatever the tag outs. Um, I just think like any form that's really good has really strong elements of a mono scene. Yeah, well, the, the, it forces you to have to commit to choices. Yeah. And, like, there are amazing mono scenes and there are shit mono scenes. Yeah. Just like there's amazing heralds and shit <laughs> and heralds. Sure. It, and I think sometimes, um, like, what makes a mono scene really, really cook mm-hmm. is when people make strong, interesting choices for themselves. But a mono scene gives you the opportunity to go deeper into those choices and deeper yeah. into those characters. You're not afforded mm-hmm. that same time in a herald. Yeah. It's... It's just a bummer because I feel like I don't get to see that as much today. You yeah. know, like when indie teams break up or come together and they go do their shows, they're like, what's the easiest? Like, what will allow me to do this and that and not? I just think everything, that's just my opinion. I don't know. I, I really like, I really like a Herald and I think most things have the like three beats and three different sources and whatever. Yeah. Is that what you what, what for you, because like one thing that I really enjoy watching Metal Boy and watching you play a Metal Boy is mm-hmm. you, your characters are really simple, mm-hmm. even though they're really heightened mm-hmm. uh, um, and really insane sometimes, they're very clear and, mm-hmm. and relatable. You just, you know exactly what your characters want all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and really like you can get through entire shows just wanting one thing and, <laughs> and going for it for the entire damn show, yeah, which true. is like, there's a lot to learn by watching that the mm-hmm. clarity and the simplicity and also the physicality of it. You don't just say that you want something you physically want something. It, yeah. it, it's really fun watching you play because if you want to, you almost have like a silent comedian's ability to milk these small moments on stage. Mm-hmm. Climbing up, you know, to that chair is a perfect example of you can do that for 20 minutes yes. if you wanted to yeah. and keep on finding ways to make that funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're making choices for yourself that feel right, like for me, it, it, it a lot of times for me it's more like there's something I know about myself that I haven't shared with everybody else mm-hmm. but when I know it, it, it I know that I know it because it clicks I just kind of suddenly feel like alright I'm in this scene there's no question about it mm-hmm. I, I just kind of know what to do I'm not worried you can't push me out of this scene I'm, I, I know yeah. who I am mm. what are those like when stuff clicks for you and you know that you found a choice that's going to be really fun to play mm-hmm. what, what, what kinds of choices are those what speak to you what do you, go, what do you look to do when you're playing um, well you know it's, it's funny because I've taken the most I think out of you and Rachel Hamilton mm. Because you guys have both talked a lot about how you can give a lot of details, but we can't necessarily see it. All we can really see are what the two people or three or four or five, whatever people are doing on stage at that exact exact moment. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see dynamic. You can see if I'm holding something in my hand or if I like say something about what's true about each other right here and now. Um, That's truth. Like that's something we can see. And that's almost... I just burped, and I'm so sorry. That's okay. It's a, it's a very natural function. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a gross human. I'm surprised there hasn't been more farts on this podcast, to be totally frank. Um, I'll, sorry. I've been I, farting <laughs> for most of this podcast. Have you really? Very slowly. Okay, because I usually... I just haven't eaten anything gross, and usually I, like, lift up when I fart, and, like... You'd hear like a, you know, or something like that if I farted, you know? Yeah, the moment... Did that just fuck up everything? I'm yeah, so sorry. no, it's okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, going back to what I was saying... Uh, <laughs> No, Grant just passed out. Yeah. No, he's fine. He's okay. I'm sorry. That was a particularly bad smelling fart. <laughs> that was a really bad. He farted so bad he passed out. <laughs> I watched a video today of babies getting scared by their own farts, and it was really funny. It was really funny because they would cry or they'd just be like, ah, uh, like because you would hear their fart anywhere. They don't know what's going on. They it's don't. a total mystery. It's just something suddenly coming out of their body that sounds funny and smells terrible. Yeah. 
Uh, I used to blame farts I used to on the dog Yeah, my old house. Very funny. Yeah, that used to be a good way. In middle school, I did that, too. It was, I was an asshole. Anywho, <laughs> um, so, like, when doing improv, I feel like you can only really rely on what you're looking at on that stage. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, it's so boring, I find, when someone makes it plotty. Or someone says, oh, yeah, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. But, like, you don't really see it so much because it's somewhere somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and I used to fall into this trap, and I still do when I get nervous, is when I want to be funny, I just say whatever the fuck. And I just keep verbal diarrhea until something is, like, kind of funny. Yeah. And once it's, like, me, and I usually will roll right past it, too. Like, I think... I've done it quite a bit in um, mixer scenes. I would um, just like say endless shit. And in my head, I'm just like, well, that was just another Pat May says garbage until the scene's over kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then when things are really good is when like I can, I can, uh, 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 we're talking and I don't really know anything about my character yet, but like, if you reach for the tea kettle or something or like the, the gravy and I also reach for it, and then we look at each other and it's like, oh, you go for it. And then I look at you and you go for it again. And then I go for it again. Like that can, that's like kind of the game. Yeah. Like we all see that. We're all responding to that. That's like live. That's truth, I guess. Maybe Rachel Hamilton will say that or whoever. And like, that's like kind of my game now is like anytime you kind of reach for something, I also reach for it. Yeah. And we can figure out as we go if it's because I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> like if it's because I like don't want you to have anything. Or if, like, I just, for some, and I, like, try to play it off as if I don't. That's maybe my favorite fucking thing to do as an improviser is when you call me out for something and I say no. Mm -hmm. And then I still do the thing that you're calling me out for. Yeah. Just to, like, deny reality that is so clearly there. You know, like, that's maybe my fun. That's just the funniest thing in my mind. It's like, no, I don't have knives in my hand, although I clearly, like, am holding two knives in my hand pretending to go through like airport security that I don't have <laughs> knives in my hand, but I was like, I don't have anything. I'm not doing anything illegal. Please let me go to this plane. I have to hurt somebody. Um, but yeah, no, it's, that's maybe, I think that's where a lot of improv lies for me. It's just like within the moment, uh, not coming in with like a character. Cause that's not really what I do. Yeah. I don't really come in with big characters. I find that a lot of big characters, when they get too big, they lose all basis for reality. And anything that we are, uh, 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 anything that we're like, can relate to, you know? Like, big characters are always just like, blah, 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 and we don't really know how to relate to that. It's interesting, because, um, like, you, you'll come in, it's always clear what you want when you come in. You, mm-hmm. you, you, you have needs and drives. That's what yeah, I like yeah. so much about your characters, is that they're driven. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're driven by really stupid shit. Yeah, and that's good. Yeah, it, but it's awesome, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, um, but they're like instantly driven. You know exactly where they're coming from. And and I think the danger with big characters is like sometimes people will play big characters as a way to snap themselves out of their head. Yeah. yeah. But but they're making a choice for themselves to try to be somebody different. But mm-hmm. it, it they don't want anything. They don't need anything. They don't have drives. And so you end up ma- making the scene that's just all about. Uh, uh, doing more things in this person's silly voice, but it doesn't relate to anything else that's going on on yeah. stage. Yeah, yeah. So really, you could be doing that scene by yourself. It, it, it's it's not in context of anything else that's happening in the show. Yeah. Whereas like you always need stuff from other people, mm-hmm. or a lot of times you need the other people on stage to get out of your way so you can keep on doing what you're trying to do. Right. You know, that's funny because I used to do the thing. I used to do like a bunch of stupid stuff. But uh, one of the things I used to do was um, always coming in with a thing. Yeah. And uh, the tricky part was that I would come in with something, but then it's like, oh, but I already have my thing. I don't know what this person needs. I need to make my thing intersect with them. And then we're thinking, and then I'm thinking, and usually that is the death of all my improv scenes, is when I'm thinking or I'm hesitating. So I know I'm going to have a bad night when I have an idea, I'm about to do it. I put one step either on the stage or near the stage, and then I stop, and I step back. And usually that's a sign that I'm going to have a bad show. Yeah. Because I'm, oh, Jesus. And, or I just burped again, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> um, I either am already hesitating or I'm like in my head and I'm like, fuck, this is going to be a bad show. And uh, typically at that point, one of my remedies is to do something really dumb and just 
do something that sucks and that is not funny. Yeah. So that I can at least know that I can survive after doing something not funny. Yeah. Um, and then after I do that, I'm like, yeah, that sucked. You know, that's as bad as it sucks, though. Like, after being on Metal Boy, nothing is ever like... N- I've never felt anything on Metal Boy that's like, get me the fuck off stage, you know? It's just like, well, I did something not funny. Some people in this audience think I'm a dummy. And they can join the rest of the Pat Thinks is Dummy Club. You know, there's a club in New York City where everyone thinks I'm stupid. So I've done like 300 shows, and I've, you know, 150 of them were not great. So a lot of people walk... See me walk down the street and like, oh, that guy sucks. I remember that guy. It's <laughs> <laughs> a not funny guy, you know. Like. So, Pat, I gotta ask, what what is what is it with you shitting on yourself all the time? Well, um, what do you mean, like? Well, you know, okay. So, well, what are you just went on a three minute tirade about how stupid I you know, are? No, this podcast sucks. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I did such a bad job. I was even thinking about that too. I was like, fuck, I just dumped on myself for. You know, I, uh, I, you know, it's not like bad. Like, I don't think less of myself. But you got to, like, I think, take ownership sometimes. Yeah. And I do a pretty good job of, like, uh, admitting when something isn't going well or doesn't go as well as I'd like it to. And I also know so many funnier people Mm -hmm. who don't have any of the things that I have. Mm -hmm. So, like, I know, uh, maybe this is weird, but, like, so as of today, maybe this, like, dates in a weird way, but we just found out a bunch of people who are on Megawatt. And a lot of those people were people who I was like, fuck, yes, those people are great. Like, I love those people. I've for so long got to, like, do things they didn't get to do, Mm -hmm. even though we're, like, very easily on the same, like, level of improv and expertise and skill. And they got to do all this. They didn't get to do the things that I got to do. Mm -hmm. Joe's always like, that's bullshit. Like, they're great. They're better than me in some, in a lot of cases. Um, And uh, I guess I've dumped on myself a lot. Because I try to hold myself to a higher standard. Yeah. Because I know, for the most part, when people are genuinely enjoying themselves or if they're being polite or, you know, whatever. And I think I hold, I've been doing this long enough that I'm kind of holding myself to a higher regard because I really want to make something that people like. Yeah. You know? I think, you know, I could say all day that I want to be an actor or if I want to do this or that, but I don't really. Like, I'm not really a great actor. Uh, I'm not myself a powerhouse of comedy, but I think I can put up a show like TV Party Tonight or The Rolling Scones. Like, I know my friends are so funny, and I think us and our powers together can create a show that is great, you know, that we all want to listen to and watch and be a part of. Let's talk about TV Party Tonight for a little bit. Okay. Can you explain the show? Uh, Yeah. Give me like one second. Of course. Take a sip. I'll vamp. That's the second time I've said all vamp on this podcast and then have sat in dead silence and done nothing. I need more water. That's a joke only for me. I'm amused by that. Hey, look at me. I'm vamping. How about that? Look at that. Gosh, Lewis, you're vamping. Oh, shit. Oh. It's so great. So that counts as actually only one vamp and one dead pause. What is a vamp? And I was also going to ask you, what's a D-I-D-Y-I? D-I-D-Y? Yeah. Do, do, it, do it yourself. Okay. Yeah. I should have asked you that 40 minutes ago. It's Okay. <laughs> I was like, just remembered. I don't know what DIY. Do do oh, I'm a failure. I'm sorry. No, I'm so no, sorry. no. You do a great um, pet. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, TV Party Tonight. Let's talk okay, about it. Okay, yes. Uh, so, TV Party Tonight is a show where we watch reality TV. It's myself and a series of other guests who will watch a few, either one or two episodes of a reality show. And uh, we sit in the front row, we do jokes, and the audience is allowed to talk and also say jokes. Mm-hmm. And then we pause the show to do um, a talk back with the audience. And during that, sh- during that part, we give away free beer and prizes to the audience for really funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it, if, somebody, if somebody says the funniest joke, they get a free beer? Uh, we have a few free beers. Yeah. So it's not just like one member gets like a free beer. Um, it's, I, got, I started doing this show when I lived with Sam and Alejandro Colini and a few other my friends. And we would watch really bad TV and get really drunk together. And I just like, this was like the hardest I would just ever laugh. And it was just, it felt really, really good. And then one day I was just like, you know what? I've, and I was like trying to think of like a show to put up because I wanted to like keep doing stuff. Um, and I was just like, why don't I just do that and try to like have an element where the audience gets to talk back? Because it's, there's so many shows where you, you just watch and you shut up and you don't do anything. And I was kind of having this like, uh, Chris Gethard show moment where like 
it's like an interactive show where you get to shout stuff and they have callers in. And I was like, I want to like have a show where people get to talk to us, you know, like, oh my God, I did it again. It's just water. There's no gas in water. Yeah. But you it's know? A, the human body is a mysterious thing. It processes like it, it's just constantly transforming stuff into other stuff. Yeah, gas is a natural byproduct. It's true. I don't know why my body wants to burp and fart everything. You just got to love it, man. You got to okay. love it for what it is. You're right. You're right. Um, but yeah, it's so, uh, yeah, I, the show means a lot to me cause I also get to initially it was just me, Sam Rogal, Griffin Newman and Alejandro Collini. And later in the later days, we've also just had completely different guests. Mm. So <clears throat> coming up next week, we have Tova Silbling mm-hmm. Silverman, who I might be getting her name wrong. And this team called the hubbies, uh, the sketch team called the hubbies, which is a fantastic sketch team. They've done a lot of shows where they have like 40-something guests in an hour, and each guest gets to do like a two- or three-minute bit. This is one of the more creative things I've ever seen a team do, and they're so much fun to watch that I decided to have them on the the, uh, TV party tonight to do commentary. There's a couple of things uh, about this that I I think are really interesting. One is like, it's really cool how you're translating the experience of like hanging out with your friends into a show as something to share with people like it, you're basically like opening up the theater to be like an extension of your living room so other people get to hang out with you guys mm-hmm. and be entertained and like yeah. rewarded for it which is like yeah. it there there is a way like going back to what you were saying before about like sitting around with sam at, at summer camp and just like mm-hmm. laughing at everything he's saying and never wanting that to end mm-hmm. there is something like i find myself questioning this a lot i go through my periods where i'm like i want to i want to i want to be an actor or i want to yeah. Right, like, what do I do exactly? What yeah. is this? <laughs> yes, what so is like true. driving me to keep on yeah. doing this? Yeah, and like, there is a part of it that's like, well, there, every now and again in life, you have these experiences with people who you really love, where you just stumble together into this like really magical place where you're you're just digging each other and you're having a great time, mm-hmm. and there's like something in like the improviser that w- wants to to extend that to everybody and and invite everybody else to be a part of that experience Mm -hmm. and to make it something repeatable. And so, you know what I mean? Like to turning it into an event that people can really enjoy. Yeah, no, it's very true. It's, uh, you know, performing can sometimes be, you can kind of like, I've heard people say like, Oh, we're making uh, people laugh. It's the most selfless art of all. And I'm like, no, it's most selfish. It's very selfish. We're making our friends pay money to see us perform. And like, we didn't even think of anything until they showed up, you know, like it's, it's, it's very self, uh, self, no, selfful isn't a word, right? So it's, it's selfish, but not with like that negative, like selfish always has a negative connotation and that's, that's, there's good, healthy kinds of selfish. You know what I mean? Like there's good kinds of, and that's a good kind of selfish because you are totally satisfying your own needs and you're right. totally getting validation for yourself yeah yeah but you're also turning everybody around you on yeah exactly you know what i mean like and that's a really that's a, a beautiful thing that's yeah. a great thing to do it's great i this is one of my favorite shows i've been putting on uh this is uh i've been doing it for a while now this show specifically and uh i've learned a lot from doing it yeah over the course of a year or so because i've just never put on anything like that before yeah and i've it's 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 just, it's fun to learn again, you know. It's fun to learn from a show, and improv is very much like if you want to put on an indie show, just get three teams, try to make them big, because they're they might be your only audience. Try to find a place you don't have to spend that much money at, you yeah. know, like that kind of stuff. See, I think uh, that's an amazing point of view because you, you you get good enough, not just at improv at anything, but you get good enough at, at and you know what you're doing, and and you can you're consistent, you can deliver results. And and it can start to turn into this almost like a job. I'm going to show up and do my job tonight. Yeah, yeah. And that's such a great way of thinking that like I can learn something by doing this show. This show teaches me something about about how I play, and the show teaches me something about an audience, and it teaches me something about entertaining people and making people happy that I didn't know before I did the show. Yeah, I think that yeah. keeps you really honest and really like the people who are thinking like that. I, I think are. are like the real artists. Yeah, it, there's a certain amount of, uh, if you're not, you know, I've kind of run into the course of like, oh, I'm not scared anymore. And in my head, I'm like, well, that's good and bad. You know, maybe I can start putting out some really good stuff. But then when it's like, wait, I'm not scared. Do I still care? Right. Like, am I still caring about this? Like, I, you know, like with this Metal Boy thing, like, 
I was at sometimes I was like scared to be on that team because I was like, this team does not need me in order to be fantastic. But you know what? I've you know? spoken I've spoken with pretty much everybody on Metal yeah, Boy, and yeah, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, feels that way. Yeah, but it's which is like one of the yeah, one of the um, magic things about not about you. They don't mean that you. they could do it of without course, you. Of course, of course. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> I was going to make everybody it right everybody right, thinks yeah. that you're the appendix on that team. Okay, uh, that you're you're you know okay. you're a superfluous organ. Well, still, it's um, it's important. I don't even know what my original point was, but <laughs> I suck. I'm sorry. I, sh- I got to backtrack and say that that was yeah. uh, 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 a joke. Oh yeah, of course. Everybody on that team feels like they're yeah. amazed at everybody else on the team and yeah. feels like, well, this team would be fine without me. It's part yeah, of yeah. like the magic and mystery of that particular team. Yeah. It's, you know, I think that might be my favorite part of anything. Cause like one day if like, I don't want to do TV party tonight, would there be someone, hopefully like a faithful audience member who came every time who loved saying jokes or loved watching it would be like, okay, I'm going to now put this show on my shoulders and now like create a new TV party tonight. Or if like, the, scone, the Rolling Scones were to, like, fail tomorrow. Like, I were to be like, I can't do it anymore. Would Michael and Elena be like, yes, let's keep doing it. And then, like, another Pat May somewhere in the ethos of the Magnet or UCB or whatever came out and said, I'll be on your team. And, yeah. you know, that always that, – that, I just, like – that's kind of what I've been striving for, I think, in my years of doing improv and sketch and whatnot is that uh, we can put up a show that people just love and want to do. It's not really about me – so much. I think it's more just about this this creature, you know, that we make and put our hearts and souls into. See, that's an amazing thing, yeah. and I think that that's a pretty rare point of view, actually. Mm-hmm. I think... I'm rare. Oh, yes. I think that a lot of people... <laughs> a lot of, you know, your ego's on the line when you're performing, and, and, yeah. and like, one thing that I'm getting talking with you is, is, like, you're very, very generous to the audience and very generous to the people that you perform with. And that's like an amazing thing to want the show to be more successful than you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, um, I don't know. That's I I don't encounter that very often with a lot of people. I think I encounter people who say that. Yeah. Yeah. But don't mean that. Right. You know, like, uh, um, uh, it's actually like really impressive and really sweet to hear how much respect you have for everybody that you get to play with. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, have respect for the people you don't that you perform with. You know you shouldn't be on a team. Yeah. Um, I will say, like in my early days, I would say yes to everything because I just wanted to learn and get better. Yeah. And back in the day, I was probably on stuff that I wasn't crazy about, like yeah. stuff that was either hard or I didn't know everybody all that well. And then as time slowly went on, I learned from those things. I learned from the shows that I didn't do well on, or I learned from the improv, whatever. And now everything that I'm doing, I'm very happy about being a part of. Well, you know? I, you know, it, um, you're kind of like fuck me attitude. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I love getting fucked. I, well, uh, yeah. That, see, okay. that's the easy joke. That was the easy joke. But it was a good joke. That's it was a solid stupid... joke. Evan liked it. Evan's laughing. Grant's Evan's smiling. Grant Grant's doesn't want to laugh, but he's smiling. smiling. Now that he's we smiling. called him he's out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Grant was like, before, he was just like, God damn it. This is a good podcast. When did <laughs> Grant is editing all this out, all this. Yeah, editing, it's all like, yeah. Oh God! But like uh. you know, there you you. So like you you beat yourself up a lot over mm. stuff. The, our conversation right now isn't the only example that I have of you like yeah, shitting yeah. on yourself. I've seen you shit on yourself a lot. Oh yeah, we used to do. Um, I remember those check ins we did during mag the megawatt stuff. Yeah, I had. <laughs> I used to beat myself up so much. And then this, within the past year or so, I was like, I'm going to stop doing check-ins because all I do is beat myself up. And then my superiors know that I'm sometimes insecure or yeah. that I'm like a little bit too self-deprecative. So I was like, I'm going to stop doing these for the sake of just like keeping my, my uh, reputation strong. It's, well, yeah, I, you have a pretty good reputation, but that's not a bad... <laughs> if, if, if doing those kinds of check-ins really are yeah. crippling you... Oh, they're not crippling. They're just, you know, you got to... You, you gotta beat your, you know, you, you, I, I like to beat myself up a little bit because I don't want to get my ego too high because sometimes my ego gets too high. So I gotta bring it back down. And uh, when you don't, when you, you, I think you produce the best stuff when you're in a little bit of pain. That's interesting. Pain. Why would I say that? Well, because there you go. You've done it again. You can't yeah. help it. I can't help. Well, it's interesting because, like, it, it also, 
it keeps you doing stuff. Like yeah, yeah. It, it keeps you doing shows with nobody in the audience. And instead of like throwing in the towel after that, yeah. you continue to do the show because oh, you yeah. love the show. It keeps you trying to stand up even after having miserable experiences and you keep on coming back and you keep on doing more stuff. At the end of the day, mm. that's what makes you a really great artist. It Thank doesn't you. really matter what, what the specific thing is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. It develops your, your dimensions as an artist, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting because like, that seems to be the path that stand-ups take you just kind of like fail repeatedly and bomb yeah. repeatedly and yeah. face yeah. criticism repeatedly That's until so you become strong enough to handle it and mm. strong enough to own your shit all the time mm. but that path seems to me a very like i don't know it, that is not their path for me personally it's there, paved there, with a lot of blood too because yeah. it's like your blood and then like Probably the other people's blood who you see who are like either really funny who have to stop because it just becomes too much. Or even like, you know, it's like improv is is expensive, but stand up is expensive and fucking time consuming. Yeah. Because you go to a four hour show or something crazy like that, you do your five minutes and it costs you maybe. God, uh, two minutes. That was a good one. That was nice. I heard that one. I try to do it away from the mic. I'm such a disaster. All I've had was water. I'm just drinking. (laughs) Water and then water turns to gas. Um, do we are we good? Yeah, yeah, do we need to keep okay? Um, uh, da, da, da. Yeah, you know it's funny because I feel like my my sketch writing um, path has been a lot of that. Yeah, because I hadn't taken a conventional sketch class until I took it with Armando about two years ago, mm-hmm. and before that I wrote at Bucks Rock, and everything was pretty much garbage that I wrote at Bucks Rock, and then I wrote for this. Uh, college, and I was a pretty shitty writer back then in my college years, too, because um, I would want to write like kids in the hall. Mm-hmm. I wanted to write stuff that had like a strange game or didn't have a very clear game, and I wanted to write like that, but I just like didn't have the charisma, the charisma or the fucking execution skills. So I'd write really weird stuff that no one wanted to do, and then I kind of kept doing it until I figured it out. Um, and I learned a lot of it from just like watching how Mike wrote Figuring out, okay, he's got a game. He's got a character. He repeats it three times. That's Mike it. Delisle. Mike Delisle, yeah. correct. Um, and then I learned how to act a lot more from watching Elena Scapettos because she would read a sketch, make her own acting choices, mm-hmm. which I didn't ever think about, which is probably silly. Uh, and then I would figure out that that's how she acts and like, okay, I could do this and that and I don't know. I just, I, those two are better than I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm very lucky to be on a team with them. You know, they're great. Uh, And yeah, if I gave up after my first 20 sketch failures, (laughs) then I like wouldn't be, you know, like I screwed up so much more as a sketch writer than I did at first for the first like two years. Then I did well. Yeah. And now I kind of just own the poop and the dick jokes in my sketches, you know? I wonder if you ever, I don't mean you, but like just Mm -hmm. like in general. Me? Okay, got it. Yeah. This is probably, I mean, I'm probably answering my own question. This is probably way too general. I'm excited. I wonder if you ever really do feel like you you get a sense of ownership of your stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I wonder if you ever really feel inside like, I got it, I'm great. Like there's Mm -hmm. a difference between feeling ownership and feeling like, this piece of like, I'm great. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always super easy to look at the people around you and spot why they're great and what they do really well. Mm -hmm. And then when you look inside yourself, there's always just this like jumble of insecurities and insufficiencies and you know what you're not getting right or, or you feel like what I want is like just outside my grasp and I don't know how to get it. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if you ever hit that I you know I don't know I wonder if you ever just walk around and wake up and be like I know what I'm doing I know how to do it I feel great about myself I guess uh, some people feel that way no I do I you know I feel like you know I would say that and this is gonna maybe sound weird I think if you say to yourself you're great you're not great. yeah <laughs> like if you have to like because in my head it's just kind of neutral you know like before you go on a stage it's like okay let's have a good show let's try our best high energy da 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 like I don't think to myself I am fine or I am great it's just like, let's have a good show. Like, I have, in my mind, the confidence to just exist. Yeah. You know? Like, I, I don't need to be like, I'm great. I'm a good comedian, you know? I, 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 know, I, don't, it's, I know it's so deeply that I'm great that it's deep down in my subconscious. Yeah. And I don't have to remind myself that I'm great. I have to remind myself that I suck sometimes, you know? <laughs> like, I got to work on this or I got to make my third beats 
fucking better or whatever. Well, it's super, if you find yourself reminding yourself that you're great, mm-hmm. it, you probably don't believe it. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you say to yourself you're great before a show, it's like, you know, it's probably going to be a bad show. Yeah. Uh, I once did a, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I did a story part show for like middle schoolers. And I had to be like, I'm great. I'm funny. Whatever these little jerks say to me today, I know I'm smarter than all of them. <laughs> like, I had to, like, convince myself that these middle schooler jerks are not better than me. <laughs> you know, it's that, it's, I'm not going to say what the school is. But well, for me, it's a constant struggle between, uh, um, uh, f- you know, like an ego getting out of check or mm-hmm. like just my ego being like shattered to pieces. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard to find that middle ground where yeah. it's like, I'm neither great nor shit. You, you always want to over dramatize yourself. Yeah. It's you always want to celebrate or, or totally, totally shit on yourself. Mm-hmm. But finding that sweet spot where you're neither celebrating nor are you shitting, mm-hmm. you're just kind of existing. I think you put it exactly right. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, Usually now, before a TV party tonight or my video game podcast, I'm like, okay, I wonder if this is the thing that everyone sees and they find out that I'm a fraud. Yeah. You know, like, like this is like the, the evidence that everyone needed to find out. But that's amazing because like, you know, if you read like any, any book of interviews with actors or comedians or writers, mm-hmm. like any of these things, yeah, yeah. that's probably the one consistent thing across the board that everybody says is yeah. they're always worried that today's the day that people are going to realize that they're a fraud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so interesting. Yeah. Right? You know, and at a certain point when you realize that like, oh, everybody feels that way. Yeah. There's something really telling of like it feels like your own private hell. Like yeah, I'm yeah. not quite good enough. But then you realize that it's like it's actually just kind of like a basic condition that everybody's feeling. It's, it's a like, little bit, yeah. I, and I think part of that is just like okay. I, I don't know exactly how this stuff comes out of me. Mm. The stuff like when something really great comes out of you, it's easy to kind of take credit for it and be like, well, I you know I'm I'm mm-hmm. I practice a lot or whatever. Yeah. But I think ultimately, like the the best stuff that comes out of you, you don't exactly know where it's coming from. There's some like part of your brain that's taking care of it that mm-hmm. like it's in you, it's deep in there, but you're not conscious of it and you'd be lying to yourself if you were taking responsibility for it. Yeah. And so that's I think part of why you always feel of like it wasn't me. I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm I'm putting on a show at knowing what I'm doing, but it <laughs> yeah. really wasn't me. It came from someplace else. Yeah. You know, sketch ideas kind of feel like that to me a lot. I always thank my sketch Jesus for bestowing me an idea that I didn't know before. You know, like, um, uh, so like if I like have an idea for a sketch and it kind of just came out of nowhere from like watching something or doing something, it's like, didn't feel like it, I came up with it. It felt like sketch Jesus gave it to my brain Mm -hmm. because I did enough good deeds that day. Yeah. It's probably not true. Probably if anything, sketch Jesus relies on your sins and power of say, I'm going to get back to the original thing I was talking about. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, it feels like it doesn't come from you, you know? Sketch definitely feels like that. There's something I think really beautiful about what you're saying. Um, this idea of like finding yourself in a place where like I'm not good or bad. I, I just mm-hmm. exist. Yeah, yeah. Coupled with, but I'm surrounded by people who are awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that seems to me to be like the ideal place to be creating out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm not going to shit on myself. I'm not going to celebrate myself. I'm I, I'm 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 perfectly enough who and what I am, no more, no less. I'm yeah. already fine. I'm already here. That's that. And mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by people who are awesome. Yeah. And, and I owe them, you know, everything, you know? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Cause, uh, you hang out with those people, you get a little smarter, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, a couple of people who come to mind, like I was on Despacho, the sketch team, like three or f- God knows how many years ago. And I knew Adam Twitchell was like a great actor and improviser. And that's all I knew him as. And then I saw him write and I was like, this guy is really really a funny sketch writer and i was like i gotta like watch how this guy does stuff and like take notes from him or like uh everybody else on that team was really really funny and i was like always just like mentally taking notes out of or i was um on a team with jesse sassini for a hot second and that guy was really funny and i was like i gotta like figure out what this guy's doing um there was so many other people that i'm like not giving homage to that i want to yeah but like uh yeah, there's, you know, you're, uh, you get surrounded by a lot of talented people. And the smartest thing I think to do is watch what they do and take a lot of notes. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, and you're kind of just focusing on yourself, like, how am I doing? Like, uh, 
this is going to be a little bit off topic, but sometimes I talk to people who was like, I had a good class today. I nailed all my scenes. I didn't did any notes. Da, da, da. And I'm like, well, then you didn't really learn anything either. You yeah. know, classes are meant for you to fail. Like who cares if so-and-so thinks you're funny, you know, there's a big insecurity about wanting to like be the person who didn't get notes tonight or be <laughs> the person who's late tonight. And, yeah, and, yeah. and like that insecurity can actually put up a wall sometimes because you mm-hmm. just end up monitoring your own progress a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And you miss out on that thing. I think you're totally right of like Harold Ramis said this. And I think it's like yeah. the, the best thing his, his, when he was um, at second city, mm-hmm. his thing was find the funniest person in the room and go stand next to them. Yeah. It's like, that's how you learn. That's mm-hmm. how you get really good. You find the best actor in the room and you go stand next to them. Mm. Uh, um, I like that. That's a good smart idea. I like it too. And, and you know, you're not being a jerk about it. It's just like, Oh, I have stuff to learn. Yeah. I have stuff to absorb. It's not really yeah. about, uh, um, me just taking care of me up there. <laughs> it's like very true. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny cause, uh, Alana Fishbine is, um, our coach for a metal boy. Mm-hmm. And I've watched her perform and I'm just like, I feel like I come from like a s- similar place that she does. She has like a little bit more improv finesse so she can like do these really cool maneuvers. Um, I was also back in my college days, I was on a team with a, there's so many fucking funny people. I was always a little bit mad at them that they didn't go to the magnet to like do more stuff or to like take more risks in writing or like do more things. Cause I'm like, you guys are so funny. Um, yeah, shout out to, uh, what is now, I think, Dead Rabbits Society, um, my old sketch team from Marymount, Manhattan. Those guys are doing really great stuff. And I think the other team's still called Nuts and Bolts. Those guys are great. They're doing a lot of fun stuff. Pat, when can people see TV Party tonight? Uh, it is September 25th at 1130, which is a Friday at the Magnet Theater. Do you know which show you're going to be watching? Uh, not yet. It's going to be a secret. Fabulous. <laughs> uh, uh, where can people find out about your gaming podcast? Okay, my gaming podcast is soundcloud.com slash uh, podcast, I believe, or Slave to Spyware. Yeah. I should have figured that out before I asked. Check out <laughs> Pat's <laughs> gaming podcast. Yeah. Pat May, it's been a pleasure talking thank to you. you. Thank, thank you very much, Louis Kornfeld. And thank uh, uh, you guys. This has been the Magnet Theater Podcast. A couple of huge thank yous. First off, to our engineer, Grant Michael Goldberg, to our producer, Evan Ford Barden, to our executive producer, Ed Herpsman, and of course, to today's fabulous guest, Mr. Pat May. Pat, thanks so much. Oh, thanks, guys. This was an insane... <laughs> I wish you could see my, like physical appearance over the entire course of this podcast. That is coated in sweat. Yeah. Farting like crazy. Yeah. You can't hear it, but it's really slow right now. Oh, God, it's there so are, bad. There are actual yeah. stink lines coming yeah, out of Pat's so butt bad. right now. Thank you, Pat May. Thank you guys listening. Bye, bye, bye. You've been listening to the Magnet Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the Magnet Training Center, where we teach classes in improvisation, sketch writing, musical improv, storytelling, and more. If you're interested in checking us out, we offer free weekly intro to improv classes. You can find out more about those free intro classes and all other classes we offer at magnettheater.com. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating. We appreciate the support. Also, be sure to check out the Magnet Theater for top-notch comedy shows seven nights a week. All information regarding classes and shows can be found at magnettheater.com.